Let's talk weather this morning with the outstanding meteorologist from Fox 61. You see him often on Saturday mornings and also filling in during the week. Sam Sempiri joins me this morning. Sam, a pleasure to connect with you again today. And one thing that triggered this particular interview today is what happened around here, especially in Chaplin on Saturday. What's your take on the tornado that wasn't on Saturday afternoon? That's right, Wayne. Thank you for having me on. It's always great to be with you. And yes, uh, I was on duty actually that Saturday. And thanks, thanks, thanks to you uh, sending uh, that picture of a funnel cloud uh, that really kind of helped me along for a little while until the National Weather Service decided that they were going to confirm a tornado during the storm. That is very unusual. I've never heard that before. But here's the thing about all this. We have the technology now uh, not only to look at the radar and to look at the turbulence in the atmosphere. Uh, a lot of times now you're hearing a lot more tornado warnings than before uh, because uh, we can see debris. We can see uh, how we have that turbulence and the spin in the atmosphere. So that's why the Weather Service is quick uh, to save lives and really – uh, I don't have a problem being more conservative about it. The only thing that happened while I was on air, and by the way, we were breaking in during the Yankees game. That wasn't good because we were double boxed, and I could hear the game overhead. So it was a little, little weird. But at any rate, uh, all of a sudden, the National Weather Service the tornado warning confirmed because of all the video they saw. And also, at first, they were looking at the radar, and they thought they saw a lot of debris, but so after, uh, and, and as you know, uh, the other day, the National Weather Service had to backtrack that, that in fact, the tornado did not touch down, it came close, and as you had shown that video, or uh, the picture, and others too, people were uh, sending in videos of, of a little funnel cloud, and you can see that there was that turbulence, uh, but the Weather Service had to backtrack because it never touched down, and they did an extensive survey. Uh, they even had drones. They worked with the Connecticut Department of Emergency Management, and they had determined that, in fact, that the tornado did not touch down. The funnel cloud did not touch down. So Now, you cannot issue a warning. That's got to come from the National Weather Service, but from what you saw on radar, did you think it had the potential of being a tornado? I, I thought that there was the potential that it could touch down. However, uh, I'm always very uh, hesitant to say that it's confirmed until you review it, till the next day. Uh, so, yes, I did think that there was the potential. Uh, the only thing is, is that uh, when, you, when you're on air and you talk about it and you talk about how you go in the middle of a of your house, like a bathroom, where you go in the basement, get into a sturdy building, uh, you know, to save lives and those kind of things. That's part of my job being on air to alert people. And I'd rather to be safe than sorry, obviously, to be conservative, to help uh, people along. Uh, the only problem with that sometimes it goes the other way where, you know, you don't want to issue warnings all the time. And then it doesn't happen and people will not pay attention. And that's not good either. So you're right. We do not. I cannot issue a warning or a watch. The National Weather Service has to do that. And then that's when we take over uh, to alert the public. Sam, a little uh, inside television information here. Here you are live on camera on Saturday evening. 
talking about this particular system coming through on Fox 61. How difficult is it to keep up with what's going on? And that would include being able to analyze radar, which I'm guessing you're watching live on the air, and also getting input like pictures from listeners and viewers like like what I sent to you. I got to think that you're on camera so much, it's hard to really get updated information because you got to be on screen. That's right. You're 100% right. It was very difficult. Actually, it was one of the few times, and you know, maybe there was one other time in my career, my 25 years of doing this, that I broke into TV. I think it was in 2007. I broke into Fox 61 when we first started. Uh, WTIC TV, we only had one show at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I was the first one to break in for that station, and that was it. But the other night was very challenging. You're right. I'm trying to gather all this information, and the fact that I was by myself, it was a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I was on air for 40 minutes nonstop. It is very difficult. Uh, the thing is, is that when we are interactive live with a warning, whether it's a tornado warning or a thunderstorm warning or a hurricane warning, we can go off camera and uh, control the radar uh, and zoom in and change the the types of radar to look at uh, certain types of data to look at the um, you know the spin in the atmosphere. But then I'm also looking at tweet deck and looking for videos and emails. So when you're by yourself, it's all, it's in, it is impossible. That's why I was able to. That's why I can go off the camera, go to the weather center, look at the radar, look at everything that's coming on, and check for videos. And then when the National Weather Service extended the warning, that's when I started getting cotton mouth. And it was really uh, very challenging. And the good news is that our chief meteorologist, Rachel Frank, <laughs> kind of bailed me out. She zoomed in and uh, she really took over, and I was able to catch my breath. And by the time we started working together in tandem, uh, the Weather Service canceled the tornado uh, warning. So, yes, it is very difficult, and 99% of the time we normally have a pair of meteorologists working together. It's just on the weekend and especially on a Saturday, uh, you know, we're, we're down with staff like everybody else, and, uh, you know, it's part of my job to uh, do it. And for doing it as long as I have, there's no excuse for me not to, you know, <laughs> fold or anything like that. It, it, it really was a very challenging um forecast and also watching those warnings and i think we have something to learn from it too uh particularly on the national weather service side uh where maybe they they cannot be so quick to say we're confirming a tornado even though they didn't confirm it because it's based on video and when you look at that those pictures you yourself uh you would almost think you know that thing is going to touch down you know it wasn't like just a little bit of a spin you could see a good funnel cloud developing so I think that's the lesson that, that we all learn, that we want to be safe, we want to uh, alert everyone, the public, uh, to take cover, et cetera, et cetera, do the right thing. And, you know, if the tornado is not confirmed, fine, we saved the life. So that, that's my viewpoint on it. I totally agree. I mean, I think that you, you don't want after the fact say we should have issued one because there was damage or maybe injuries or maybe worse death. But in this case, it turned out that they issued one and it didn't develop into one. But what I'm confused about is in the National Weather Service's initial release of the tornado warning at about whatever it was, 720 or so on Saturday, they said they had a confirmed tornado and they never explained that. What was it that they thought they saw? 
Does that mean that an, an observer saw a tornado, told them, and they said, whoa, we got this warning out now? I don't understand where they got that from in the first place. Uh, somebody uh, sent them a video, actually initially from Stores, Connecticut. So they saw the video, and what they did initially is they did look at the radar, and they turned on a certain, I don't want to get into core call, called correlation coefficient, uh, where you could see, you turn the radar onto that mode, and you could see debris, uh, kind of a hole in the middle. Uh, the other thing you can see is the velocity mode, uh, where you have the winds coming in and going out. So this is very technical stuff on the radar end, and this is uh, the radar upgrade of about seven, eight years ago. This is why we have so much more information. So I was surprised that the Weather Service would confirm it. They went by a video, and they went by the initial radar look, and then they backtracked on that radar look because of a technicality of the cross the cross beam spectrum and how uh, at a distance it, it really didn't show that. So I think the Weather Service got a little bit, uh, for the first time ever, uh, that they issued that warning and say it was confirmed based on a video and based on some radar uh, readouts. That storm got two inches of rain to Wyndham Airport, highest report that I saw in the state. And it was an appropriate finish for the month of July, which ended up being not just the wettest July we've ever seen, but the fourth wettest month we've ever seen. And I'm intrigued by this number, that when we got Bradley slash Hartford got the record for the wettest July, it broke the record held by July 1938. Sam, you and I know what happened two months later. The worst hurricane in modern times hit the hurricane of 38. Do you see any correlation between the extremely wet month of July we just had and the possibility of the first landfalling hurricane in Connecticut in 32 years? I hate to say it, but yes, I do see a bit of a correlation. Um, and it just is a matter of now. Uh, you can say, I can say I can give you five years, five similar years in the last hundred, uh, but within those similar years are going to be a little different. So I need to qualify that. Doesn't mean that we're definitely get ready for the hundred year hurricane here. Uh, we are due. The last uh, landfall was Hurricane uh, Gloria. So you know that is 1985 was a direct landfall hit into Connecticut up the Connecticut River Valley. And there's Bob in 91, which did go over Newport, but we did have hurricane force winds in New London County, 125 mile an hour winds in New London. So uh, the point is that that was the last time we had one. And I got to think that the extreme heat down south, not to mention around here, causing warmer waters is going to make conditions favorable for, if not September, something to come closer to us this year. Uh, The other thing, too, not only the water down south, but up in the North Atlantic and around here in New England, the water temperature over the last couple of years has been above average. So what we need to do is get a big storm to straighten out the energy balance in the, on the globe. I mean, this is something that's theoretically proven, and that I learned in school, that whenever you have an imbalance in the energy profile of the atmosphere, it needs to straighten itself out. Well, how does it straighten itself out? Through storminess. And so... Uh, that's the problem, too. We have very warm waters up here in the North Atlantic, and uh, that's why a hurricane can just, you know, follow the jet stream flow and come right on up without weakening too much because it will still have uh, that heat engine 
to supply the fuel for a hurricane. Um, so that's something that we're going to be watching. And again, it was Hurricane Gloria, 1985, that came a direct hit with hurricane force winds up the Bridgeport. You know, that storm, if you remember right, uh, it came so fast, and 38 did too. Uh, it came up so fast with Gloria that we only had one to two inches of rain on the backside. We hardly got anything, and uh, that was it. And so that's the last time. So we are due. Usually you get a direct hit landfall every 30 to 40 years of a hurricane, and then you get a bad one every 100 years. And so I don't want to scare anybody, but it's something we're going to watch. We may not get one. Uh, but we will keep an eye on the tropics as we head towards uh, the latter half of August. And as you know, into September, September 10th is the height of the hurricane season. Uh, and then things start to quiet down, but the historical ones are the late September. Like usually the last two weeks are the ones that come up into uh, uh, Connecticut of September for strong hurricanes. Of course, we had the hurricanes, uh, hurricane and tropical storms in the mid-50s. And then two years, in 2021, actually, we had four of them that were all over us, but we never had a direct hit. So we are due, uh, but we will have to keep an eye on it. Meanwhile, the next uh, week or so, our pattern is very favorable to kind of keep us dry and fairly cool. We are going to have some storms Friday into Friday night. Nice weekend. Then some more showers next week. Meanwhile, the tropics are quiet for now, but uh, it'll heat up a little bit. Sam, at Bradley... July was only 2.5 degrees per day above average, but all the news was about the heat dome down over Texas and Southwest, but it's also going on worldwide. It's not just here in the USA. And yesterday, the Washington Post did a story about it, and they said it's not global warming, it's global boiling. What are your thoughts on this excessive heat we've had in 2023? Uh, my thoughts about all this uh, global warming and climate change, and I'm going to go against the uh, political winds, uh, is actually natural to me. Um, those of you, uh, those of us who study historical uh, geology and meteorology and climatology, it's had five to six interglacial periods. So we are just uh, in an interglacial period, and we're heating up. Yes, human humans have a little bit of effect more in the urban centers, heat islands. But the overall weather patterns are, to me, uh, just a natural variation in, in our interglacial period. Now, this is, you know, it's very hard to comprehend that because it's over thousands and thousands of years. So when people say, well, this is the hottest it's ever been, no, it's not. It's the hottest it's ever been since you've been keeping records. So there's a big, big difference. And, you know, I don't want to downplay anything about with climate change or global warming, uh, but certainly... Uh, to me, it doesn't seem that unusual. We get these uh, records all the time. Records are, are made to be broken, and records uh, are, you know, the average temperature, the average precipitation are basically just the average of the extremes. And lastly, Sam, I know you love big snowstorms. Does a hot summer make for a cold winter? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes not. I remember last year... Uh, I had predicted that maybe we'd have a little bit colder than what Rachel Frank was saying. She actually, I'd never been so wrong in my life, Wayne. Uh, and I don't have a problem saying this last winter. I thought we were going to have a bad winter, and it was like one of the warmest and least snowiest. So uh, it, there, is, there is no correlation. Um, I actually did a study in school about that. It's more about the storm track and where the jet stream sets up. You can have a cold, wet summer and have a cold winter. You can, It just is no correlation. I, I, I've tried to correlate it, and it doesn't work. 
<laughs> so with not very much snow last winter, you must have been one miserable guy. I was. <laughs> we had good storms if they went off to our west. So when they go to our west, we're on the warm side. It was just a bad storm. And, you know, that's partly why uh, eastern Canada was very dry. They had a lot of snow cover and partly why the wildfires are still going there. That's another story. Maybe we could do another uh, talk on wildfire smoke as uh as you know, uh, a lot of you don't know, I am also an energy and environmental meteorologist for the state of Connecticut and do track the air quality. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, uh, weather event, too, that actually has uh, a direct effect on us with the air quality and the health standards of the small particulates. So, Sam, always good catching up with you, and thanks for your insight on the weather this morning. All right. Well, thank you, and everyone, have a safe day. And, Wayne, thank you for everything, and hopefully we'll do it again in the future. Have a good one. That's my friend Sam Samperi, the outstanding meteorologist on the weekends primarily, including during non-tornadoes in Chaplin. Sam Samperi, our guest on 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.